Hey, good morning everyone. Uh, my name is John and I'm so glad that you're able to join us today. Uh, so, imagine that you are on Facebook or social media and you see someone who has posted something and you think, ah, that's, that's not cool. Uh, you can't say something like that. Or maybe you're not even sure that it's true what they posted. And there's a part of you that thinks, maybe I should say something to them. Or how about this? You're at a family gathering, work gathering, and there's someone there and they are just acting obnoxious. I mean, with what they're saying, with what they're doing, they're making you uncomfortable, they're making other people uncomfortable, and there's a part of you that thinks, maybe I should intervene here and say something. Uh, or what about this? Uh, maybe you have a, a friend, uh, a family member, someone that you like, someone that you, you love, and you see them making some decisions with their life that to you just seem wrong. Uh, they just seem risky. And you know it's not really your business and you don't want to be you know, judgmental, but there's a part of you that thinks, man, this just is not, I, just, I see what you're doing and it's not going to end well. And there's a part of you that thinks maybe I should say something. Uh, or maybe in one of those circumstances, it goes so far that I mean, like what they said was like so crazy, it was so mean, it was so obnoxious that there's a part of you that thinks, you know, I, I think I might have to like block this person on Facebook. I, I think I might have to ask this person to leave. Uh, I think that I might need to like maybe let this person go because it's just gone so far. Or what about this? How does all that work in the context of a church, uh, a, a church family? Uh, one of the things that I, I hope that all of you uh, know about our church is that we are a church that we're trying to be as open as we possibly can. We want to be as accepting of everybody. Uh, some of you might see that uh, in past summers when we could do summer events, uh, we put a big banner on our bounce house that says, Christ Church Albany is for everybody because we want to let people know that kind of no matter who you are, no matter what you're struggling with, you know, if you have questions, if you have doubts, if you're struggling with anger, if you have relational issues, if you have money problems, uh, if you're kind of any background, we want to let you know that if you showed up and if you walked in our door, then we would embrace you, we would smile, that we would be as accepting as we possibly can. But here's the question. Is, is, is there ever like a line? Is there ever a point where we would say like, all right, we're trying to be like an accepting church, but I mean, based off of what you said, based off of what you did, I'm not sure we can allow you to, to be here anymore. And, and this is especially true uh, when you think about like the leadership of our church. And when you think about the people that appear on screens, that appear on stages, that are our teachers, our elders, our lead volunteers, is there a certain caliber that they need to be able to, to keep up? Uh, I mean, if we had someone in our, our band who is just a, a blatant racist, is that okay? You know what I mean? Should we allow them to be able to be in the band and still be a blatant racist? Uh, if we had someone who was on our finance team, you know, who's helping to count the offerings, 
but they were just a, kind of a known liar, stealer, cheater, embezzler. You know, is that okay? You know, should, should we just allow them to, to stay in that role? Uh, if we have someone who has like a, a big time anger issue, you know, I mean, we, we, we've seen them lose it, you know, we, we've seen them even lose their temper uh, both verbally and physically on kids. I mean, should we allow that person to serve in our kids area? I mean, is there a point where we say, all right, you know, we, we want to be accepting, but based off of what you did, based off of what you said, we're going to have to let you go from your role. We're gonna have to kind of ask you to take a step back from being a part of this family, this church that we call Christ Church Albany, because we think that maybe that's what's best for you and what's best for us. I mean, is there ever a point in time where you would draw that kind of a line? Uh, today, uh, we are looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians. If you've been tracking with us for the last couple weeks, uh, it was a letter that was written by a guy named Paul 2,000 years ago to this uh, little church in Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians 5, this is exactly the issue that Paul is addressing, is what do you do when there's behavior that is happening in a church that is to the point of so obnoxious, so seemingly wrong that the church might have to step up and have a really, really tough conversation. Uh, so here's what it says in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. It says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. Uh, and some of you might think, I knew it. I mean, if there's going to be somewhere where they're going to draw some sort of a moral, ethical line, of course it's going to be something to do with sex. And I get that. You know, it's kind of a, a seems like a hot button for a lot of churches. But let's let's read on. It says, and it's of a kind that does not occur even among the pagans. And so try to picture this for a second. So the Church of Corinth was probably about 90 people, so not a very big church, about the same size as Christ Church Albany, and most people would have known each other. I mean, this isn't like a group of strangers. This is a group that kind of everyone had an association, you know, they ate together, they spent time together. This was a group where they were kind of in each other's business. If you've ever been in a small school or small town, you know, you, you know what this dynamic is like, a small church, you know, you just, everyone's kind of knows some stuff about each other. And they're living in this town, uh, Corinth, that we've said is just kind of this wild place. Uh, it's just kind of the Las Vegas of the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago. You know, what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. They're just very liberal, very, very loose in kind of every way, you know, especially sexually. And so Paul is saying that in this little church of 90 people, there was at least someone in the church that had, was practicing a form of sexual immorality that everyone is out in the open, kind of everyone in the church knew about it. And even the people that are outside of the church, people who aren't Christians, who are just a part of this just kind of Corinthian crazy culture, that when they heard about it, it's that open, when they heard about the sexual immorality, this thing that was going on, even they hear about it and they're like, oh, that's, that's not cool. Uh, that's not what you should be doing. Uh, and so what, what was it that this person was doing? It says, a man has his father's wife. Uh, so there's a man who's having an affair with his father's wife. And uh, 
people who study this stuff for a living, uh, there's disagreement on exactly what exactly was going on here. Some people think he's, he's having an affair with his mom. Uh, some people think he's having an affair with his stepmom, uh, maybe his mother-in-law, but whatever the case, I think we can all agree, you know, kind of wherever you're at with your Christian journey, you know, no matter what you think about what the, the Bible has to say about sexual ethics, I think we can all say that, like, yeah, that's not cool. Uh, that, that is not a way in which you should live. The question is, so this is happening in this group of 90 people, and kind of everyone knows that this is happening. So how is the church going to react? Uh, here's what it says. It says, and you are proud. Uh, it's interesting, in our world today, uh, maybe one of the, the best things that someone could ever call you is that you are a tolerant person. Uh, you, you are tolerant of other people's beliefs, you're tolerant of other people's behaviors, you know, you're just a, a tolerant and accepting person. And, and I get that. As a, as a church, in a lot of ways, we strive to be that. And this church in Corinth, that's what they're trying to be, just this incredibly tolerant, accepting, and they're so tolerant in their view, so accepting, that they're all just like giving each other a high five. I'm like, yeah, of course we all know this is going on, but like how, how great are we that like we're not condemning this person, that we're not being like the, the judgmental church on this person that is doing this. And, and that's interesting, uh, but it, if, if being tolerant is kind of one of the best things you could be, then obviously then being intolerant is I guess one of the worst things you could be. I mean, if you could, you know, tell someone like you're being so intolerant, you know, that just sounds like so, so terrible. But the question that Paul is gonna rise here is that that being the case, is there a time and a place where we should be intolerant? And I think most of us would say, yeah, I think there is sometimes in some place. I mean, you look at what's happening in our culture uh, over the last couple of years, and you see things like the, the Me Too movement, where kind of as a whole society and culture, we all stood up and said as individuals in our workplaces, uh, on social media, there's some certain behavior that we are no longer going to tolerate. There's some actions, there's some jokes, there's some behaviors that we, we are no longer okay with. We are not going to tolerate it anymore. Uh, you look at what's going on right now, like literally over the last two weeks, and uh, uh, Ray's issue of racism and Black Lives Matter, and there's this kind of like big public statement that there's some behaviors and actions from all individuals, but especially from, from white people, uh, from police, from politicians, that many people are saying we are no longer going to tolerate this kind of behavior. Uh, and where's the line that you draw between when we're going to say, okay, we're, we're going to be accepting and we're going to be tolerant, but when we say, you know, but when it comes to this, we are no longer going to tolerate this anymore. And Paul, who's looking, who finds out about the situation of this guy who's having this affair and how proud everyone is, you know, you know they're high-fiving you, you can believe how accepting. Paul is saying, I, that, that's the line. Uh, I, I'm drawing it there and say, this should not be the case. And then Paul is going to encourage this church in Corinth 2,000 years ago to take some action. Uh, he's going to encourage this church in Corinth that they are going to have to take some some next steps towards this gentleman in this church who is willfully engaging in this behavior. Uh, Paul is going to encourage them that they're going to have to have some really difficult conversations with this person. Uh, and here is what Paul says uh, 
they need to do and, and should have done. So shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief and have put out of your fellowship the man who did this? Even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. And I have already passed judgment on the one who did this, just as if I were present. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan, so that the sinful nature may be destroyed, and this spirit saved on the day of the Lord. Uh, so Paul gives them a couple actions there. Uh, he says that they should mourn. He says that they should ask this gentleman to leave their fellowship. Uh, he says that they should judge this person and that they should hand him over to Satan. And, and those are all a little bit difficult to figure out and they sound harsh in many ways. Uh, so let me take a second to explain. Uh, first, these are all built on this kind of big theology that Paul believed and that we believed. Uh, and that's the idea that this life that God has called us to live is so good. Uh, what Paul believed is that there is always two ways that we can live our lives. And you can call them, you know, the good way or the bad way. Uh, you can call it the, the holy way or the evil way. Uh, you could call it the God way or the Satan way. Uh, how the Bible often re refers to it as that there's the kingdom of God and there's a kingdom of the world, kingdom of the culture, you know, kingdom of the devil. And all of us feel this struggle and tension between these two all the time because we often have this feeling that this, these things that are calling us to, to do things that, that, that are good and noble and right and truthful, but we also have these things that maybe even though we know that they're not going to be good for us, that we know that they're not right, like we're, we're tempted to go that way too. Uh, when I was a kid, a lot of times in cartoons, especially like in the old Warner Brothers and uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons, uh, when someone was trying to make a decision, they would have the little angels pop up on their shoulders, and you know, one was you know wearing white and had a harp, and uh, the other one was you know red and had a little pitchfork, and they're both trying to like tell the person, here's what you should do, and a lot of us feel that tension all the time uh, when it comes to whether we should tell the truth or not, uh, when it comes to how we should treat people, when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to money, when it comes to should we forgive people. Uh, we have this thing that we know is probably the right thing to do, but there's this other thing that feels so tempting to do otherwise. And one of the things that Paul is so convinced that this right way, that the way that Jesus calls us to live is absolutely the best way to live. That if you want to experience the, the the highest form of human flourishing, if you want the deepest relationships possible, if you want to experience the way that, I mean, this is how God created us to live, then even though this might sometimes be the, the harder counterculture way to live, that it really is the best way to live. And so all that of the Paul is going to say is based off that idea. So he says, when you find out that there's this person who is willfully not listening to what God has to say, uh, and that's that's a big distinction that this is built off of too, is what's going on here is this is not someone who is like every once in a while is like tempted and fails and then feels sorry and you know is trying to get better. All of us are doing that. This is someone who hears what God is saying, hears what the devil saying is like, yeah, I I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to listen to what you have to say. Uh, I, 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 I want to do this, and I am okay with it, and I am proud of it, and apparently the rest of the church is proud of it too. 
And Paul says, when you all heard that, like you should have mourned. You should have been sad that maybe you're, you're not experiencing the life that God created for you. And so we see you living this way and we're, we're sad for you. And then he asks them that this person should leave uh, their fellowship. And what he means by that church back then, it was house churches, it was just kind of a very different world. And so I'll just put it in the context of our world here, Christ Church Albany. Uh, Paul was not saying that this person shouldn't be allowed to attend church services anymore, shouldn't be allowed to come to community events anymore, and we should just, you know, you know, put a bit, you know, throw this person out. They're saying that you know, if this person was like a, a, vol- a lead volunteer in the church, if this is someone that was on the stage in the church, then you should remove them from that position. Uh, and that you should do that because you have judged them. And, and judge sounds like a terrible word, word in our world today. But all it means is we are looking what you are doing and we have determined that it is not God's way for you to live and that you are doing it willfully. Uh, and then there's the really hard statement that you should turn this man over to Satan, which sounds just horrible. Um, but what he means by that, uh, kind of that idea of, you know, are you listening to, to Jesus or are you listening to the devil? And we always have this all the time. And what we're often tempted to do is to like choose, uh, is to like cherry pick. And so say, all right, so here's the, the parts that Jesus say, says that I really like. And so I'm going to follow these things and I'll do, you know, but like, ah, this thing that, that, that Jesus says about like forgiveness, like getting revenge sounds so much better. So I'm going to go with that instead, you know, or, you know, this thing that Jesus says about giving our money away, like, ah, just like being greedy. That sounds so much better. Or this way that Jesus says is the best way for sexuality. I I just would rather uh, go this way. And what Paul is saying is that we don't have the ability to, to cherry pick this, that it's either I'm trying to follow all of Jesus' teaching, or you should just really follow none of them. And so Paul is saying, by give this man over to Satan, say, hey, if this guy doesn't want to listen to all of the things that Jesus is saying, then just tell him, like, hey, don't, don't listen to any of them. Just, just, just go listen to everything that Satan is telling you to do, everything that the culture is telling you to do. All the, you know, feel free just to go crazy that way. And again, it's amazing how, why Paul is telling him to do that is because Paul is so secure on how good the way of Jesus is is that here's what uh, he says. He says, hand this man over to Satan so that the sinful nature may, may be destroyed and his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. That if he goes full on in the way of just, I'm gonna do whatever I want, then somehow that's gonna actually bring him back to Jesus because Paul is so convinced that the way of God is so good that if you just go full bore into the way of the world, then at some point you're gonna you're going to miss Jesus. You're going to miss community. You're going to miss that love and you're going to miss that peace and you're going to want to come back. Uh, maybe the best picture for that that we have uh, is the story that Jesus tells in the Bible about uh, this kid that he calls the prodigal son. Uh, and the prodigal son was this son who went to his dad one day and said, I, I just want to, I want to live wild. I, I don't want to live under your crazy rules anymore. I just want to go live however I want. And the father lets him go gives him money and just kind of lets him leave, knowing and hoping that someday he will return. Uh, And that's super important uh, in this, is that the reason why Paul is saying that you might need to take these steps to 
mourn for this gentleman, to remove this person from their leadership. I mean, what a tough uh, decision that would be. The reason why you would need to have this conversation where you say, I, I, I see what you're doing, to having this affair with mom, mother-in-law, whatever. I, I see you doing this and I don't think it's good for you. I don't think it's gonna go well. This is something you shouldn't be involved in. And why you didn't say, hey, maybe just, just totally like, walk away from Jesus and then maybe that will draw you back. The reason why you should do all that is this big hope that they will come back. Uh, that's the whole reason why you would have this difficult conversation. Uh, as Christians, we don't want to be people that are judgmental, waving the finger. We want to be people that are loving enough to have difficult conversations to help people come back. To, to, we want to see people change. That's the whole reason why you would have a conversation like that. That's the first reason why you would have a conversation like that. The second reason why you would have a conversation like that. Uh, here's what Paul uh, says, uh, starting in verse 6. He says, Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works its way through the whole batch of dough? Uh, now, I, I haven't done a lot of baking in my life, but I know the basic premise is that you have like this big you know, lump of dough, and then you can put just like a little bit of yeast in there, and a little bit of yeast will affect all of it. You know, All of it will grow. Uh, and it's kind of a, a big argument, actually, in our world right now. Uh, not to step on too many uh, landmines here. Uh, people talk about the idea of, like, it kind of the bad apple syndrome. And that it doesn't take a lot of bad apples to really throw off the hole. Uh, so, talking about cops, and it, it, are, are most cops maybe good? Uh, but a couple bad apples could really throw the whole thing off. Uh, are most protesters peaceful and really, you know, asking for really great reforms that should happen in our world, but a few bad apples could really throw things off. Uh, and this is absolutely true of churches. Uh, I know people who, when they think of church in general or certain churches, they're like, oh, that church is just full of a whole bunch of hypocrites. And is that church really full of a whole bunch of hypocrites? Or is it just that there's like a few bad apples that are like painting the whole thing as bad? Uh, or people say, oh, they, you know, that church is so self-righteous. That church is so judgmental. Uh, that, that, that church is full of a whole bunch of phonies and fakes. Uh, that church is you know, just all, you know, whatever they're saying about it. And is it really that it's all that? Or is it there's just like a few that are painting the picture of the whole thing? And this is especially important for us at Christ Church Albany because what we talk about all the time is that the church is not a building, that the church is you. Uh, this is what we talked about a few weeks ago in 1 Corinthians, is that you are the temple of God. Uh, what we talked about last week is that you are supposed to imitate other people, and the scary thing is that other people are supposed to imitate you. That you are the representation of church in your family, in your office, on your street. And so people are looking at you to try to figure out, like, what does, how does a Christian live? Uh, how does a Christian spend their money? How does a Christian tr uh, treat other people? And so if there's just a few of us that are living in a way that is so contrary to the way of Jesus, then that's going to make all of us look bad. And so at some point, you, you would hope that, it, that if I was making the church look bad, 
if one of our worship leaders was making the church look bad, if one of our teachers was living so blatantly wrong, I mean, wouldn't you hope that someone would have a conversation to say, John, dude, uh, you gotta change. You gotta address that. Because we're all trying to live this Jesus way and you're just blatantly living in a way that is not okay. Uh, so here's a couple questions uh, as we end. Uh, first, is there anyone that you might need to have a loving, grace-filled, tough love conversation with? Do you have someone in our church? And this is so important, by the way. Paul is intentionally talking about church family. He is writing this to this 90 people in this church in Corinth. And so Paul goes out of his way to say, I'm not talking about that we should like have these conversations with other people in the world. Other, other people, this is for people that have chosen to follow Jesus. And that one of our jobs as Christians is to encourage to push uh, the Bible word for it is to admonish people in this way of following Jesus. And that means that we might have to have difficult conversations every once in a while. And so this isn't like a conversation that you need to have with, you know, aunt, uncle, neighbor uh, who isn't, isn't a church. But do you have someone in your life, in your community group, uh, in our church, and you know that they have chosen to follow Jesus, but you see them living in one way in their life, or maybe multiple ways in their life, and you just know like that's, that's not the Jesus way, and you need to have a difficult conversation. Uh, and I've had conversations like that before. Uh, I've also chickened out of having conversations like that before. But there's a time uh, as we are moving to try to do what God has called us to do in Albany, where we might need to have those kind of conversations in our church. Uh, second question. Has someone tried to have a conversation like that with you? Uh, has someone tried to help you see something in your life that where you are doing something wrong, where you are doing something sinful? Uh, again, I, I have had people have those conversations with me, and, and sometimes I have been very humble and accepting of those conversations and sometimes I've been very defensive and very you know you know how dare you but is there a conversation uh, that maybe you need to listen to is there someone uh, or someone's who keep bringing something up to your attention and you know it's something in your life that you need to address uh, you should address that uh, and we do all of that uh, under the big heading of the cross and of Jesus. And so we're going to end by taking communion. And one of the reasons why we take communion each week is because, again, the, the whole kind of basis for this whole thing of why Paul's bringing this up. Paul isn't bringing it up to like shame this guy, to make this guy feel bad. Uh, Paul is trying to do whatever it takes to hopefully have this guy go, Ah, you're right. This is not good for me. I need to change my ways. I need I need to go back to following Jesus with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. And that's the whole idea of what Jesus has always been doing, is he wants to do whatever it takes for us to get into a right relationship with him and with other people. And that goes as far 
as the cross. That Jesus would do whatever it took, even if it means, and it did, that he would have to give his own life and shed his own blood and go through excruciating pain on the cross so that we can be forgiven, so that we can have eternal life with him. Uh, so let's take the bread together today as we remember how much Jesus loves us and how much he encourages us to love the people around us even sometimes in difficult conversations. And let's take the cup as we remember uh, that love that Jesus has for us and for all of us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your love for us. And I think we all know that these conversations need to be a normal part of our life because all of us just get off track. And a lot of us I can think back in times in our life where we wish someone would have let us know, uh, man, this is not going to be good for you. We would have changed our ways. And a lot of us can look back and we can think of times where we wish we would have listened to those conversations. And so help us to be a group, a church family that are working together to help each other stay on track to follow you because we believe that it is the best way to live. Amen. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, Ty and Jeff and Gideon are going to sing one more song with us. See you next week.